Holman, I am ready to start the show with music that is, well, it's delightful. Biscuits, Christmas biscuit. What do you think? Is that the new hottest jam? Top 40 radios banging it. <laughs> no? Holman. That's it. I'm doing the rest of this podcast under protest. Why would you do that? You know Start. that listener is coming to your house now. What are you talking about? I didn't. It's not taste the biscuit. This is Christmas biscuit. It's a totally different song. Well, way you, way you, better. You should take your limp biscuit and take it off of my damn show. Biscuit, biscuit, Christmas biscuit. Nobody wants to hear that. They don't want to hear Christmas no. biscuit. No, they barely want to hear you, Dave Graham. What do you think about a Christmas biscuit? Are, are, are they clamoring for it on the audience? I don't think anybody wants to hear Christmas biscuit. What? How did how dare I flew, you? I flew all the way here <laughs> to listen to this song. This is the yeah. biggest disappointment. Biscuit, biscuit. All right, um, Dave. If you see the uh, power strip over there, you can end the whole show by just <laughs> unplugging that from the wall. Uh, so we had you on the last episode, Dave, and uh, you were out here for some work, and we said, hey, stop by the, the pod shed, and you, and you did. And for some reason, you came. I showed up, and there were chili dogs and You're Dr. Pepper waiting for me. This is awesome. All right, so we have to ask you, just like we ask everybody, pod shed? It's pretty badass. I mean, sweet. What I like it? We can, right. We're swearing now, right? That, that uh, no, thing, right? no. I'm trying up. to die. We, we used them all up. Yeah, we only had like <laughs> 10 beeps uh, allowable. Oh, and uh, by the Apple Police, it really is put together well. Uh, I tell you, I walked it in like the front chili dogs door. right now too. It's kind of nasty. So I walked <laughs> in the front door, <laughs> and it, you, it, hold on, you can't call the smell nasty when you ate two of them. Well, I didn't say I didn't have part of the smell. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we all stink. This is horrible. It is horrible. But yeah, so I walked in, and it's like eerie how quiet it is in here. Uh, you guys did a really good job putting this together. Oh, that's all, Holman. It's, I, I wish I could claim some of it, but I can't. No, nope, it's hundred percent that guy. A lot of a lot of work, but uh, we got we got our studio. So uh, got the big screen here on the on the uh, wall. We've got climate control in here, which is super cool. And uh, so anyway, welcome. I mean, it just it makes everything sound better, including biscuit, no. Christmas biscuit. <laughs> All right, stop that. <laughs> I was reaching for the board. Please, please don't ever do that again. Well, how do you not think that that's funny? It's not funny. Trust How's podcast Christmas biscuit not funny? It's it's not. There's nothing funny about that. I can't wrap my head around it not being funny. Right. Trekshowpodcast at gmail.com. We've got lots of uh, emails to get to, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see how many of them start with uh, Holman Lightning, and Lightning. stop pl- mm-hmm. playing t- biscuit t- songs. Taste the biscuit. Yeah. Hey, you, uh, you must be excited this week. Because I lived through my London trip? Mm, no. Okay, why would I be excited? What? I mean, seriously? You can't put anything together about why you would be excited about this particular week. Something you've been talking about for years. Feels like decades, but I know it's only been years. No, I don't know. Seriously. No, I I don't I what? What what have I been what have I been waiting for for You paid years? $100 for the privilege of this. Oh, oh, this the, the Cybertrucks are hitting the streets? Yep. And I have no delivered. email from Tesla. Nothing to say that my order's coming due. This week, I believe in two days, is when the very first customer deliveries happen. I wouldn't know. They haven't reached out to me. I, I, I might get some audio. I've been invited to, uh, to an event, and uh, I might go see one in person. Okay. 
Or did not. you see the one in San Francisco that uh, got towed away? Was uh, parked in a no parking I, I zone. I did see that one. And yep. did you see the one at uh, one of the SoCal dealerships that uh, was better than the release candidates, but still had plenty of odd panel gaps and fitments? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, one. That one was all over this week too. I so. saw the one that uh, everyone sent us links to, where the they were trying to off road, and it yep. just it and then uh, yeah, Ford uh, Lightning came right behind it on the same trail. Went watch me uh, do this. Hold hold my uh, hold my beer. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, do we have any idea what the production is like? How many they're rolling off at what speed? No, no clue. Huh? It's Tesla. They have no PR department. They mm-hmm. literally don't care about you as they a customer, as a mean, customer or, uh, or as a media outlet. How are they choosing who to ship to first? Don't I don't know. even know. I was hoping that you were going to come to the show and say, I got my email from Tesla. Yeah, I mean, I, I logged in the other day, looking in, nothing. nothing. They still have my hundred bucks. Yeah. You're never getting that back. It's gone. That's I don't. Sad. I don't. I don't know if they sent me an email and said, "Okay, you can buy well, well, one." We think they would send you something. And go, hey, production is entering. the The journey has started, and then placate you with like a, a launch sticker or something. You'd think that they subscribe to like a twenty nine dollar a month Mailchimp account so they can blast <laughs> their, you know, their uh, their fans, those who gave them a hundred dollars. But no, I, I don't know. So here's what I'm worried about uh, with the Tesla conversation and your Christmas biscuit. We everyone's bailing, right? We've just alienated. I literally put out 40 truck show podcast stickers at the LA Auto Show in the OVR booth mm-hmm. with our with our uh, QR code on it. I captured people using it and taking pictures of, of the of the sticker and going to our website. And you're saying that I'm driving them away? Uh, yes, pretty oh. much. So I just wanted to uh, apologize to all of our new listeners. The show usually doesn't start off this awful. Mostly. <laughs> yes, it does, by the way. <laughs> Dave, does it start off this awful most of the time? Occasionally. Yeah, that's right, what I right. It's slightly yeah. better than mm-hmm. mediocre, I think, the, the is pro- what we call it. Well, the problem is you think Lighting, <laughs> who went on vacation to Europe for a week and a half with his kids, mm-hmm. would come back refreshed and all ready to oh go. Oh, my God, it, the that, time change totally messed me up. By it, the way, it's that that co- gra- the greatest slogan for a T-shirt ever, slightly better than mediocre. That's awesome that Dave just came up with. I, I feel like uh, I feel like Lightning has come back more rusty. Like he has to do a function every week. You know how you? What is it when you lose, you have diminishing skills if you don't use them? Most things are like I haven't done that in a year. I wonder mm-hmm. if I could get back on a bicycle. Lightning's like I haven't done that in eight days. No, totally rusty. <laughs> I need some uh, some good penetrant, some some croil lubricant. All right. So while you were uh, away in Europe, uh, I was. Uh, off installing the uh, the new roof rack on the uh, on the Wrangler, so that's all done. I saw that, and there was some concerns. I think you got to admit that you were a little concerned with drilling holes in your brand new. Well, I've done truck. it before. It's not the holes. It's just I had a black top before, which makes it really easy if you mess up. And then now I have a painted top, and it's just like, oh, do I really want to do that? But I loved the video that you shot with the drill bit going through, going. When we were drilling the holes, I'm like, people have to understand how painful this is. Because most people are going to take their Jeep, drop it off, go out to lunch, and then come back. And I was there the whole time because I was shooting the install for the magazine. And Some it, guys look away when their wives are giving birth. No, Holman is right there with a catcher's mitt. I oh. was right there. Oh, were you oh right? yeah. In fact, uh, on both kids, the uh, the nurse uh, was very impressed with how I cut the umbilical cord. Oh, so. really? Yes. I didn't, yeah, see, my wife had a C-section twice, and they're like, you don't want to see this. So I had to, I had to so leave you left. away. Yeah. No, I didn't leave. I was on the other side of this little curtain. 
So uh, anyway, put a uh, Rhino Rack uh, Pioneer platform on a backbone. So the backbone system in the Wrangler basically um, supports the roof load through the top of the tub with these really cool panels that go around the windows. And then it can carry a a higher load. And they sent me uh, an awning for it. So I've got a Batwing awning with uh, quick-release mounts on it. So it it goes around, what, 270? 270 degrees. So it comes out from the driver's side and goes basically back over past where the spare tire would be if the uh, tailgate is open. Have you spread it out yet? I have not even unpacked it out of the box because I've been so busy. So we'll get that done, and then uh, I'll be able to uh, put a bunch of stuff up there. They sent me uh, uh, mounts for my um, Max Tracks. Uh, Bernard Leitner over mm-hmm. at Leitner Design has his cool new boxes that open up from the side. So he's going to send me uh, one of those so I can get those up uh, up there for uh, my next long trip. Yeah, I'm dying to get those uh, Leitner, those new Leitner boxes that open up sideways and then mount them to the new Leitner ACS uh, that active cargo system that goes on top of the t- uh, the tonneau cover. Yeah, because your uh, EGR system has the uh, T slots in it, so should be compatible with Bernard's. I think Bernard had a uh, an EGR tonneau cover uh, on his TRX, so if he did, cool. it should, should work for me. So will be uh, will be awesome. I like it because with the uh, side opening boxes, especially on the top of the Jeep, you don't have to climb up to open them and get down into it. You can open them from the side to access them. So um, you know, and they're quick release. His bracket system is so awesome. Because all the hardware, there's a bracket that lays flat on the uh, on the rack itself, and all the hardware to tighten it is inside the box, which locks. So unlike other rack systems where you have to have this big, ugly bracket where the box snaps in, and then you need to have some way to secure it, and then you need to have extra locks for it, Bernard includes all that with his his new uh, boxes, which is which is awesome. So I look forward to uh, to playing with that, and I'll be able to get my Max Tracks off the spare tire and put them on the roof and let the roof take some of that load. So I've got a, a few longer trips planned. So I think for everyday stuff, just going to be uh, the racks just going to be on there and it's going to be smooth, slick top style. And then when I go on the longer trips where it's more than two or three days, like on our old traction road retrace, that would be the perfect trip to have a box and kind of get some stuff up, you know, lighter stuff that you don't need access to all the time out of the cargo compartment so it's easier to find other things. So unfortunately, you would not be a good candidate for an Ursa Minor tent system because we're going to be talking to uh, John Gish, the founder of Ursa Minor on this episode. And I can't I can't offer you up as being a guinea pig for one of his, uh, his rooftop well, tents. Well, I've been looking at his uh, campers for a long time and I love them. If I was building 392 a little bit different than how I envision it now, I probably would have considered it. But for the right person, that's like the setup. And I'm glad we're uh, getting him on the podcast because I've been following them ever since the JK. And then they do things like Ford Transit and Honda Elements and all that kind of stuff. Uh, They're like, wait a minute, they just overheard you say Honda Element. They're like, what? Yeah, so he's- It'll make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of a a Volkswagen Westfalia sort of uh, setup, but on an Element, a Transit, a regular JK, a regular JL, or something else that we'll uh, we'll ask him about when he's on the phone. Ooh, teaser. Okay. But first, we want to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. By the way, Holman, I heard that they had something special at the LA Auto Show. Uh, I saw my very first Nissan Frontier hard body in person. And I got to tell you, production. You're talking about the new one that's coming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the wheels are freaking awesome. The retro wheels. They're so cool. Yeah, it's it's really close to the concept, and uh, I was super stoked. I was like, man... The problem is, is that it's a lower trim level than the uh, Pro 4X, right? But it looks better than the Pro 4X. So you're sort of like, oh man, I kind of wanted to have the hard body looks, but 
oh, I kind of want to have like the, the the bigger you know head unit uh, screen and some of the you know Pro 4X. And there's one they're parked right next to each other. And I'm like, eeny, meeny, miny. Because in our booth at the OVR booth, Nismo Off Road had a display with another Frontier. So it's funny the uh, the hard body I think is built off the SV platform, and then they had the Pro 4X, which is the the top tier. And then over in our booth, we had a standard SV, non-hard body, that had the full complement of Nismo off-road stuff. And I'm thinking, because it, it upgraded to the uh, Bilstein 6112 and 5150 um, Nismo shocks. It had Nissan's really cool-looking upper control arm, had you know lights and all that. And I'm thinking, okay, instead of a Pro 4X, I want to see that SV that was in our booth be mm-hmm. a hard body with all that stuff on it. I think that'd be cool. Anyway, all right, if you guys are looking for a brand new truck, whether it's a midsize or a half ton, check out the Nissan Frontier, the Nissan Titan, and the Titan XD. Both of the Titans offer the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Head on down to your local dealer where you can check out the new Nissan hard body soon, or you can go to Nissan USA where you can build in price. Now, if you upgraded your truck and you threw on some uh, bigger wheels and tires, and all of a sudden you go, it's not responding the way... I'm used to. It feels a little bit sluggish, but I don't want to tune the truck because maybe it's still under warranty. What do I do? How do I get that acceleration back, that throttle response? What's the answer, Holman? This is where you say Binks Pedal Monster. But you just said it. Well, I wanted you. I'm going to throw it to you. Ready? Yeah. What is it, Holman? I'm queuing you up. Uh, some product from Banks that I can the find at BanksPower.com. Pedal Monster. Pedal Pedal monster. (laughs) Pedal monster. Mm -hmm. The patented device connects to your OBD plug. That's the one where it it, it has full 100% power in reverse. So the slightest touch of your uh, pedal sends you straight into the lake. Uh, No, Holman, that is every other throttle controller that you're going to find on Amazon or your Facebook feed. Banks Pedal Monster puts you to stock throttle seamlessly when shifting into reverse so you back up slow like a granny like you're supposed to and not, you know, end up on qualified captain or jackknife your trailer or whatever, right? You're supposed to go slow backwards, but as soon as you shift back into forward, it gives you the throttle response that you had pre-programmed. All right, so let's say I get a Pedal Monster, but I already have an iDash in my truck. Well, then you can control the Pedal Monster using the iDash, so you don't even have to use your phone. You don't have to bother with the mobile app. You just up, down, level control right there on the iDash as you drive. Oh, gosh, Lightning, I really like that, especially in my 392. Wink. Type in your year, make, and model at bankspower.com to find yours. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman all right lightning are you uh, ready to call our guest for the evening I am. Are we going to talk Ursa Minor Tents? I want to say rooftop tents, but that's not right, right? I it mean, sort of is, but it's more than that. It's more like of a, a camper. Well, yeah, because a rooftop tent, you feel like we just sit on the roof. This becomes the part roof. of the vehicle, part right. of the roof. Yep. Yes. Well, I think we need to call John Gish, who is the founder of Ursa Minor. All right, let's do it. Dial and... Oh, wait. Can I say dial and smile? Please stop. 
Listen, right. I'm going to put a new... Dave, if you look over here, you can see on the wall is a whiteboard. And I'm going to be erasing what's on it right now. And on that whiteboard is going to be things Lightning is not allowed to say anymore or do anymore. So one is going to be Dial and Smile. Mm-hmm. One is going to be anything that has to do with biscuits. And I'm taking uh, I'm taking listener emails, Holman at truckshowpodcast.com, for your <laughs> uh, suggestions of How what we can you? ban Lightning How from. How dare you? Doing. No. Oh. Don't, don't, don't be like that. All right. Uh, I am going to show you something, Dave, because this is your first time at the Truck Show Podcast. And you will see, as we call John over at Ursa Minor, this sign right here may come out. Mm. <laughs> no. Yep, great big stop sign. Like, I'm driving yeah. on an old country road right now. Now, in, in my own defense, people will be like, why are you so mean to lightning? A slow down. <laughs> I just have a slow down, down sign. Right? Yeah, so I'm not always telling uh-huh. him to stop. Yeah. I'll tell you, if, the, if this whole podcast fails and OVR fails, at least you have a job. I could be a crossing guard. You could be a crossing guard. <laughs> why don't you uh, just... Dial without the smile lighting. All right, here we go. Hello, it's John. John, what up? Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for reaching out, guys. Fantastic. Yeah, hey, we want to talk to you, but first we have an intro. Don't move. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? With your job and get alone. And don't let Oh my gosh, we have so much to get to. Well, uh, we are actually really excited to be talking to you. Um, I am a big fan of Ursa Minor, and having worked for uh, Motor Trend and Four Wheeler Magazine and all those places for 20 years, I s- sort of saw the uh, the rise of you guys down in San Diego uh, with the uh, JK, was I think the first thing that drew my attention, then you guys single-handedly uh, raised the price of every element Honda Element in Southern California, uh, and then followed you on into uh, the JL platform. Yeah, so you've been along for the ride then. Uh, I have. I've, I've actually crawled in a few of them at, uh, at Overland Expos, and every time I, I, I've, I thought you guys had the best solution. So for listeners who aren't familiar with Ursa Minor, it's a company that makes a we'll, – we'll stick with Jeep for now. Uh, think of a JK or a JL hardtop four-door. You – would take the hard top off as if you were going to go convertible and you replace it with their camper that looks exactly like the hard top, except it can be outfitted with a whole bunch of different accessories and the top pops up with a rooftop tent built inside. The beauty is you don't have to worry about your, uh, your, your hard top and a rack supporting a rooftop tent up top. And I've done that with a JL where it's not a great experience through the fiberglass and, and dealing with that. And you guys sort of solve that problem. Plus, your center of gravity is lower because you're not putting stuff up on top of the roof. And the quality is awesome. And then you guys have all sorts of different accessories and, and options that you can build into it to make it more user-friendly. So did, did I get it close? Am I, did, are, we, are we on the same page with my explanation? Yeah, you're hired, man. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for a new job, so. No. This one does not pay. <laughs> yeah. It does not pay. Not a lot. No. <laughs> we can work with that. <laughs> so, John, how did you get started in this thing? If you can rewind the clock for us just a little bit, we always want to get the backstory. Uh, At sure. what point did you decide to cut open the roof of said vehicle and it said, I, I, I've, got, I've got the idea? Man, that goes back a ways. I started out camping out of VWs, camping in general, camping out of, I had an old VW van, 
one of those things where you get to a point in life and you're like, man, I love that thing, but I'm not sure I drive 100 miles on it anymore. I was kind of looking at buying a VW back in like 2003. Um, and that's about when VW dropped it. And that is right when Honda launched. And I think, uh, to be frank, when the first time I saw Honda Element, I was like, man, this thing's kind of ugly. <laughs> uh, that's like, you know, I, I, you know, I literally looked at a photo like back in 2002 or something. Oh my God, what are you guys doing? It's like an Aztec. Um, Oh, an Aztec. My so. gosh, that is a butt-ugly I, I would say the Element was a, at least half a step cooler <laughs> uh, than I Aztec. I mean, a little bit. But hold on a second, John, but it's, it's, but it's small. The Element's really Yeah, tiny. but the way Ford did the inside, it's all rubberized and made it's, for heavy uh, duty, and the rear seat is back, so there's a room where, between the uh, first and second row where it's actually really roomy, and I can imagine it's a lot easier to crawl up, and, and also uh, Element's low to the ground, so getting in and out... With the uh, suicide doors, it's probably pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic compromise vehicle. It's interesting to go back to, you know, all this on the Internet, but, you know, obviously I have a unique interest in this particular subject. But if you go back to the Internet, when they were designing the element, one of the things they were doing is they looked at the Suzuki and said, man, we want to do something that competes with that. And Honda just didn't have the four-wheel drive platform at the time to take on like the old Suzuki, you know, Jimny and some of the other versions that came over the U.S., but they wanted that experience. And so they went out and were going to slot somewhere between a, a Jeep TJ Wrangler and the Jimmy and backed off and said, you know, our customers are probably not that hardcore. Let's drop the low range. But they gave it that functional interior, and I think that's what drew me in initially was – you know, again, aesthetically, I'm like, yeah, it's going to have to grow on you. But you get into the thing, and you're like, holy crap, this thing's pretty big inside. And they had these check boxes they hit because they were chasing this camping outdoor market. Like, it's all rubber inside. It's super simple. It's a flat floor. You know, they're the pictures of people camping in the thing. That was Honda did all my marketing because they were like, oh, you can camp in this thing, but they didn't take it that next step. And that was one of those sort of moments where you're like, man, I, I should make this into a pop top. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. And that lined up, you know, one with some of the other stuff I was pursuing at the time, which is I ended up in the fiberglass industry you know, making stuff. And so it was like, oh, this is this, if we could design the thing and, you know, it's the, the trade off, right? Is it going to cost too much? Are there enough people are going to buy it? Will it work ergonomically? And built the first one. And I, I would say it's kind of a standard story. It was not the whole bread and butter of the business at any point in those early days, but we just did a fun project and we're like, these are pretty cool. We'll sell a few of them. And, you know, I think you always go for that feedback, which is like when people ask you about it, Hey, no, oh, you like it all. What would you pay for it? Yeah. Would you buy one? And we had a pretty good response rate, you know, as soon as we built the first prototype, which, you know, I say prototype, we, we built it, but I camped in it for probably two years before I actually, moved into a production unit but it kind of resonated with a lot of just outdoor folks maybe not jeep owners at the time they weren't selling their jeeps to buy honda elements but they were definitely people who were like my vote my vw van's too old and i would say god the first couple of years if you did a survey i bet most of our owners were coming out of vws I, I think that makes sense and when you look at the element it was based on a civic or a modified crv platform and what made it interesting is the rear seats kind of folded up against the side, and the back hatch was also a clamshell, so there was a tailgate. So getting in and out was real easy, and it, they made it so you basically had an unobstructed 
you know, rear cargo floor area, which would make it really easy to access the uh, the tent. And again, with the pop top, unless you have a trained eye, you can almost not tell that it's not a standard um, element. And I've seen them. The secondary market is pretty robust for those things. And I've seen them a lot in SoCal, usually with uh, mountain bikes or surf rack on it with boards, things like that. Well, you're not going to kill it. I mean, the engine, by the way, and that thing, people know that that Honda is going to go for half a million miles. And it's not like a, you know, a GM product that the, the door panels will fall off and all the interior bits start just literally coming apart while the engine's still ticking right along. The Honda just lasts. And, and that engine is used in so many vehicles that even today I get people like, oh, I don't know, you know, should I still bring one in for conversion? Are you still doing it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're still converting them. I mean, if you've got a Honda element, bring it in. We're happy to turn it into a camper. But, you know, people ask like, well, is this Honda going to fail? And I'm like, seriously, you're going to get tired of driving it before the Honda fails. <laughs> like, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready for another car. Um, you know, we see people pulling engines out and you know, like, I, Nothing dates you like having a customer call and be like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a resto shop and restoring Honda elements in your campers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how long have we been doing yeah, this? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so so what was the natural progression from the Honda platform into JK? Because that's basically about the time that I picked you guys up on my radar because I was doing um, JK projects. We had one of the very first ones for Four Wheeler Magazine. And then we had another couple after that. And I was, you were always in like my periphery. I'm like, man, I would so like to do that more than, let's say, a, a rooftop tent. But then the project maybe went a different direction. But I, I never lost sight of what you guys were doing because I was amazed that you could just take the factory top off or start with a, uh, a, a soft top and then plop this whole self-contained camper assembly on the back. And it looked really close to stock. And I just love that about it. Well, yeah, we got into the Jeeps, um, honestly, in 2007 – you know, running back to years here, we did the LA Auto Show with a couple of Honda Elements, and it was—it's a long marathon show, but you get about a zillion people coming by, talking your off. Um, that was when the FG Cruiser launched. The JK was pretty new for that show. I mean, they were out there, but that was you know one of the bigger launch. I don't know if it was the launch, but it was one of the bigger shows for Jeep. And I remember going up to the Jeep booth. And talking to the guys there and, you know, literally standing in one of the Jeeps and like, ah, maybe I can make this work. It seems kind of cramped in the back for like standing room and maybe in the middle. And I kind of had that in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, but God, we don't have to cut the sheet metal on this thing. And ironically, I talked to the, the Toyota guys came by the booth and I went up and looked at an FJ Cruiser. I was like, ah, the roof line's a little short. So, of course. Yeah, I had a tape measure. I think I ran out to Home Depot and bought a tape measure. And I was like doing one of those guys that's wandering around the show, like doing weird stuff, like measuring things. Like, that's a nice deal. But I remember measuring up the Jeep and like, God, yeah, the four-door could work. And honestly, it kind of went on the back burner because we were getting really busy on the Hondas. But then we ended up kind of loosely affiliating with a bunch of other companies for the SEMA show in uh, 2011. And what happened was – Mopar reached out. I was like, we're going to try to build this camper thing uh, for the show. And I jumped in with a couple other companies and we kind of looked at it. Said, yeah, we, th- we could probably pull this thing off. And, and I did the classic um, novice to SEMA move of like, we'll totally get this thing done. Yeah. <laughs> and like, no we, We've all been <laughs> there. Photos of yeah. 3 a.m. in the morning. We're like, this nope. thing must leave for L.A. by 6 a.m. And we're still working on it. <laughs> that's what you're hearing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So – and that was um, the first few – the first Jeep cameras we built were actually that fold-over style 
And what happened was, you know, we we had seen the flip packs, you know, classic old SoCal camper. Yep. But nobody had done it on the Jeep platform. And it was like, wow, you know, let's let's just go for it. And I designed the whole torsion bar and the springs and the framework. And then, uh, you know, we we decided to build the molds. So I went out and honestly bought I bought this used Jeep off a car lot because I'm like, I got to have one in the shop to work on. And uh, we fab that Jeep camper up and we 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 built the first one for SEMA. Um, and that one didn't actually have a torsion bar in it because I couldn't get it done. So it was sort of like open carefully because there is no spring pressure on that one. Uh, I sewed that whole tent in our little shop down in San Diego, like literally on my on my machine. And we got the thing built and out there and then. You know, people are like, oh, that's that's great. You know, you did this camper for the Jeep. And so, you know, there's we kind of ramped up into making those for a couple of years. But because we were making the, the Hondas, everyone's like, why don't you just make a pop-up version? I'm like, well, uh, well, I can, but I'm kind of hoping to sell the one we already designed. Really about a year after that was when we launched the pop-up version. And it sounds like we really had our game plan together. But honestly, by the time we got it done, we're like, why didn't we just start out with this thing? Yeah, we could have done it years earlier. <laughs> but it, it hit a lot of good notes for us in the sense that because it was a replacement top we could ship it so we were you know we could ship it out to a jeep dealer we could ship to a customer that lived on the far side of the country it's removable so people was oh you know what if i buy a new jeep what am i doing with this well you can move it to a new jk it opened up a lot of avenues so we really started building them yeah in early 2011 and then you know in hindsight it looked like a very natural progression from where we started but I will say at the time, we were sort of pretty busy on the Hondas. And we're like, oh, I don't know if we want to get distracted, but gosh, people keep calling us. So let's let's get that thing going. Um, and that, you know, we kind of transitioned into that. Ironically, Honda canceled the uh, Honda Element in 2011. So you actually so, had a diversification of product. And if you wouldn't have pursued the Jeep, you probably wouldn't <laughs> have had a business. It uh, yeah, it would have been a little. We've been back to making robots or something again, but um, <laughs> you know, we sort of we sort of like, oh, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, we meant to do that. Totally meant to do that. So I've got I, I've got a couple questions. We need to rewind a little bit because we're. I don't think we've painted the picture appropriately for for people who are listening. It's audio only our our podcast. So the pop up is angled, right? So think of a wedge rooftop tent on anything, mm-hmm. and that's what it looks like when the top is popped. So if you think of like a VW Westphalia that has a straight pop up. This has an angled pop-up, so the back of the vehicle, the tent's higher than where your foot would be at the front of the vehicle, the front Sure, row. but the front's not hinged. The front is articulated no, the on front, a, The front is hinged. It's, that's what allows it to pop up high, so there's... No, no, but it's not. Not like a piano hinge. I don't want them to think there's a piano hinge on the front. There's not. No, there's it's a mechanism a, that lifts it so you have more foot box space. Is that called like a six bar? What what is that? What is that mechanism called that lifts up? They actually call it a scissor hinge is the scissor industry hinge. term for it. And it's you know it's a multi-bar linkage that again it's not it's not a pure pivot like you'd see on a like some of the wedge campers. It actually gives you know about a foot of lift at the front of the camper while keeping that angle on the top so you have the headroom at the rear. And the reason I brought that up is because some like like GFC and some of the camper guys that were or the the rooftop tent, they do have a piano-like hinge on the front. And there's also rooftop tents that have the same sort of scissors, too. Oh, they do. Okay. There's all types. So you can okay. go straight up. You can go with a scissor. You can go with a wedge. You can do a fold-over. You can do a so flip-over. So I, I like this because you yeah. have a lot of headroom. If you're well, laying with your head towards the front of the truck, you've got an extra, you know, probably 18 inches the, in there between. The benefit of this style tent is that it's a short, compact floor plan. It's within the footprint of the vehicle. There's nothing overhanging in the edge. So wherever the vehicle fits... Your tent fits. Having the scissor basically mechanism to raise the front that foot 
what happens on some of the wedges like a GFC is that for taller people, your toes will hit the, the roof because it doesn't go up high enough. So basically with the Ursa Minor on their J30 camper, you've got a, a maximization of efficiency of space so that you you know have room for taller people within that footprint of the basically the length of the roof. And then the other question I had, John, was about the access. So I can't picture on the element am i crawling through the sunroof and if it doesn't have a sunroof do i have to put one in and what's that and then how does that differ from the other applications as far as just pure going up into the tent so on the honda when we first got started the four-wheel drive version of those hondas had a rear sunroof which was really unique it's not over the front seats or the second row it's over the rear cargo area the background of that was when Honda designed it, they had this kind of marketing concept. And one of it was if you're a surfer and you want to change, you'll open the sunroof and then you can stand in the back of the car and change with your head sticking out. And like things happen, by the time they got in production, it wasn't a sliding sunroof anymore. It was a pop-up. So, you know, it was actually – you could take the sunroof out, but it's not easy. But they kept the feature and they kept it at the back of the car. So when we designed the camper, one of the sort of – tweaks we had was the idea of like hey we're, we're going to build this camper but we don't modify the car because there's a sunroof already there so we'll use that for the access into the camper so like when we convert a honda element with the rear sunroof it just drops on and you climb through the sunroof at the very rear of the car and then there's two panels that drop in to give you the full bed length later in production towards the end in 20, 2009 they dropped the sunroof completely from the honda element line which point we bought some cool tools to shear some sheet metal. Like, All right, just, Don't well, fear the sawzall. You know? Oh no! So then you had to redo <laughs> the headliners as well. And then we did, yeah, we had a little, we made a little trim ring, and we had to kind of go back in and come up with a framework to kind of support everything. But we, we kind of stayed with the same access size because we're like, ah, oh, God, we don't want to have two versions of this thing. So it made it a little more expensive to get it done because now we're cutting a hole like a conversion van would. When we got to the jeeps, we basically stood back and looked at it and said okay with a honda we could we can keep it the same and go into the back or we can go through the second row and and it was a you know it was an intentional decision to create an opening above the second row in the jeep because one the camper generally sleeps two people not saying you can't cram more in down below if they're kids but you know for the most part it's a soloists or a couple are going out and so you fold that second row seat down climb up and that's your standing room in the camper. And there's two panels that cover up that hole. So for folks who haven't seen one, imagine standing on your second row seat, gives you your standing room in the camper. And then to make the bed up, you kind of pop yourself in or push yourself off the roll bar. You drop a panel in to make the bed up. We didn't keep the entry at the rear because on Jeeps, most folks, you know, again, everybody has their own habits, but most folks are loading the back of the Jeep with, you know, other accessory companies like Goose Gear. They're building the sliders and drawers and things that go back in, or that's where you keep your ice chest, or frankly, just all your gear. So uh, it makes it much easier to use the camper because you don't have to unload the back in a Jeep. You just go into the second row. So when you guys build the J30, like we said before, it's a direct replacement. You take your old top, whichever, whether it's a one-touch sky or whether it's a hard top or whether it's a soft top. That goes away. You put yours on there. And the cool thing is you actually have a uh, rear window wiper defrost on your camper, just like stock would. And then you also have the ability for your side rear windows to be glass, a sliding window within the glass, which is super trick. I know like some of the early JK ones 
were a window frame, and they looked a little bit more like an RV or something, whereas the new ones have a very OE look. It looks like the uh, like the back window of a pickup truck where the glass slides behind the main glass, or you can have it solid or or a access point there. So that's pretty cool because you're able to access your gear, and it makes it more useful for other parts of the Jeep. It's not just the top is not just about having the camper and a hole in it. You guys are also offering reinforcements so you can hang awnings and brackets and all sorts of things, roof uh, load bars on top. And it really adds to the functionality of, of the setup. Yeah, we've honestly, we've learned as we went. So, you know, we go with like most companies, you get the customer request from, okay, yeah, we can, yeah, we can do that when nobody's ever asked us. So we do have, you know, we can mold in um, kind of a setback or insert, if you will, in the side of the camper, which is where you drop a rotopax. So there's certainly companies that make that as an accessory, but in our case, because we build everything in-house, we mold that right into the mold if somebody orders it. So it's completely laminated into the fiberglass when we build the camper. So when we texture it or finish it, it looks like it was, you know, it's made that way from start. Um, and I've been, and we get a lot of customers that just go with the solid walls because once the back of the Jeep's filled, you can't see out of the windows anywhere. Anyway. Yeah, I, I personally love the glass and the access just because I like it looking as stock as possible. And I think that's one of the benefits of having it is the casual observer isn't going to know anything special with your vehicle. Whereas if you you know have the panel of the Rotopax uh, inset in the window, somebody's going to go, oh, I wonder what else is in that thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I like it. And I like that you have options. And you guys have actually quite a few options. Not only can you get it color matched, you have your standard black texture, you can get gel coat. You've got the the glass, you know, delete or you know opening. You've got racks available, a power package with 12 volt and USB outlets, a headliner organizer, rear load bay LED lighting. You've got awning selections. I mean, just on and on. There's just a, a ton of different things you can really customize it for exactly how you plan to use it. Well, let, let, and I want to talk about uh, chubby fat asses like us. High point, uh, no fingers, fellas. Uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so. How does this work? I'm trying to picture what the, what the bottom looks like. What am I sleeping on, and how is that load uh, dispersed across? John, you've like, never met us before, so I want to assure you that at least one of us is more svelte than the other one. You, I'll how, let you how decide. Much, how much you weigh right you're, now? You're husky. Podcast, how much right? you weigh We're right all now? Good. <laughs> no, you know, Lightning just came back from Scotland where he said he gained four pounds. No, I'm like, whoa. No. no I, whoa. What are you talking about? I lost four sure pounds. Sure you did. Lo- <laughs> I, I weighed myself. I did. I lost four pounds when I was over in England. The food sucks over there, by the way. Yeah, that's probably why you lost weight. <laughs> now we, walk, we walked a lot, and English food blows. If you're lucky, it tastes like sourdough. I mean, it's, wow. it's, just, it's, just, it's just so bland. Uh-huh. Paint tastes better. All right, back to uh, so camper anyway. options. <laughs> no, but so, John, how, how, tell us about the, the, the loading surface. Well, you're sitting on a fiberglass bed. Um, in other words, we have... You know, the, the bed surface itself is part of the camper that we mold up. So we mold it in-house. The big difference you're going to see over an OEM top is Jeep's purpose. I think they even put it in writing in a couple spots is this top is here to keep the weather off your head. It is not structural. In our case, since we build the whole camper in-house, it's a cord composite. So what you're sleeping on is some layers of fiberglass and carbon, some foam coring, some more layers of fiberglass and carbon. So it makes for a pretty stiff bed structure. And then the rest of the camper, what we'd call the base unit, which looks a lot like your original hardtop, that thing is pretty solid. I mean, it's probably thicker. It needs to be, but it's all reinforced to take the load of people lying in the bed. Early days, we sort of thought, oh, we'll make a provision to have some brackets to tie the bed to the roll cage and things like that. And we really haven't seen a need for it. You know, if you get a couple people up there and they're, 
solid. Husky? It may bounce a little bit. Um, they're husky but, models? Know, we we kind of had a we, we had a sort of comment, which is, in general, we've never had anyone really call us back and say it broke. And that may be just a relationship to, you know, fundamentals of getting two people up into the bed. At some point, you're sort of self-selected out. Um, he has a worn witch that bolts on the solid. inside of the camper to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it and you just hook it to your belt buckle, and it winches you right up to the top floor. Yeah, Your middle of you first? Yeah, just like, the middle. Just folds you right in half like a taco <laughs> going right up in there. You haven't had any failures yet because you haven't had lightning and Holman over for a sleepover. <laughs> nor will you ever. <laughs> Well, and, and and it can't be understated about the Jeep top. I, I know a lot of people are, you know, with the JL, the tops became thinner to save weight. They're a little bit noisier and boomier than a JK. And the rails on the side have no metal or reinforcement in it. They're actually just part of the mold. So most rack manufacturers will say, like, don't put more than 50 pounds on it because you can rip your, your rain gutters off. Of course, a, a JL, they're full length, where as a JK, they were only partway. And then even when you get into like a rhino rack backbone or something like that, you end up having like a dynamic load of about 250 pounds and then maybe 700 or so static. What would you say your rating is? I'm guessing you're beating that with a camper since it's a fully reinforced part that you're making. We would generally say in the static mode, like if you're parked and you're going to put stuff on the racks, the limitation is really going to be driven by the big rack manufacturers. So, you know, we're going to defer to Yakima or Thule sure. or Rhino Rack to say, hey, if they rate the bars at, but, you know, 150 pounds, who are we to tell you to put more up there? Sure. The whole camper itself runs about 300 pounds right now, give or take a little bit. You know, we always see a little bit of variation production. But, and so, by the way, for, for example, I just want to point out one of the heavier style, like an XL, let's say a James Baroud's uh, fiberglass rooftop tent, is somewhere in the low 200s, 220 ish roughly for the, that size. So for people listening, trying to figure out, is 300 a lot? No, 300 is really good when you consider the glass, the the top itself, the the camper part of it, uh, because you're going to be, you know, that's not that far off stock. So He's got a steel mechanism in, the, in there as well. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really efficient as far as uh, weight goes. In You know, a stock, like a JK top runs about 150 pounds. JL's a little lighter, it's, eh, 140 or something, and we've weighed them out. So when they put the hot headliners and some things in them, they do climb a little bit. But my usual baseline for people who are you know, worried about the weight is it's going to add about 150 pounds to the vehicle. The total weight is going to be much lower than a comparable rooftop tent because our weight is mostly concentrated in the lower section where we've reinforced it for the bed, not in the actual part that pops up. And it's also lower to the vehicle center of gravity because there's no rack gap where you have the top plus a rack plus the tent. You know, the, the bed is as close as we can get it to the roll bars as we can. So the overall height's pretty low, um, and that keeps that weight and the center of gravity down. I think you know, when I ran the numbers back when we first started, I think it, you know, it takes us some tolerance here, but it moved the center of gravity on a Jeep about a quarter of an inch. And I usually say, if you tip the Jeep over based on the rooftop tent, you were already going to tip it over anyway. Oh, for sure. That's, it's that close. It's, it's way different than having 250, 180 pounds or something sitting on top of six inches of rack all the way on top of the Jeep. So uh, you, it'll definitely be a lower center of gravity than that. So would you say the driving experience is going to be a lot closer to stock? And as far as handling, obviously, if the, if the weight differential is not that much and the center of gravity is not changed significantly. And then also the question would be, how is it to drive? Is it quieter? Because now you have that mattress. Everybody puts these little thin headliners up there like I have on my 392. Well, you hear this. <laughs> or you hear the <laughs> or you hear the rack whistling. 
I, yours is one solid component that the the air goes around. So I would imagine it's probably quieter than a stock Jeep. I think it is. Um, there's a, it's a compromise. I usually I kind of walk through the noise factor. So a couple things: we're sticking up above the windshield. You've got a little bit of turbulence coming off the top of the windshield. We've got a couple latches. A lot of times people are putting racks up there. So you know a stock camper with no racks on it is about the quietest you can get in terms of what we build. As you start putting racks on, you're picking up that noise. We've changed our sound dampening over the years of production, so I think they're getting quieter. We have a full headliner inside, so comparably, you know, the whole interior of the camper is lined with the automotive felt. I think it's a lot quieter than any stock Jeep I've ever owned, but obviously a little bias in there. But one of the things I've noticed is, you know, over the years, we've had a couple scenarios. Scenario one is, oh, my God, I put the top on. It's way louder than I thought, and we – you know, oh, well, let's check that out. And they come in and we're like, uh, yeah, you're hearing that box of wrenches you got underneath your load <laughs> <bay banging> around. <laughs> and sorry about the service charge, dude, but we took the camper off to look for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I think it's a lot quieter. I hear like accessories in my vehicle. I can hear that fringe when it turns on and off when I'm driving. I'm not sure I would have heard that in the stock hard top. Oh, I, I can guarantee um, you I've got a Dometic 55 IM in the back of my 392, <laughs> and I couldn't tell you when that thing starts or doesn't start, or even if my kid's talking well, me in the back. Well, you've got exhaust noise, and you've got your- I got all the noise. <laughs> I got the button that makes it even more loud. <laughs> We're like everybody. It, one of the things that really surprised me over all the years we've been working on Jeeps is it just fundamentally the windshield moves, the doors come off. And so what we see is- on Jeep that came in on Monday, the camper's quiet. I mean, it's it's like driving in a library. And Jeep that comes in on Tuesday, we're like, oh my God, this one's got wind gaps, it's got some noises. And you start looking and you're like, oh, well, this, you know, this this particular windshield's sitting forward a little bit, or oh, that door's been moved because yeah. it's come off on and off. And so we kind of have to go through that cycle of like there's a lot of variables. With time, we can really knock it in. You know, a lot of times we install up, the customer drives off, and next thing I hear he's in Alaska. He's like, I'm getting a little rattle. And I'm like, uh, you're in Alaska. Uh, it's a little late for that, but let's <laughs> yeah. check a couple of things to tighten up. You know, we've we've definitely had, you know, we had one car that came through and, you know, hey, it's a Jeep. The guy had flopped it once and we put the thing on. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, hey, man, your whole windshield's short. He's like, oh, that's a whole new windshield. And I flopped this thing and it's got three new doors on. <laughs> oh, okay, my gosh. It's, it's all twisted noise, up. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to have to live with yeah. this one. I mean, it was just, it was tweaked. We're like, yeah, just sign here because this one, <laughs> yeah. you're down the road. Don't call us. Yeah. But um, unless you want to buy another one for your new Jeep. <laughs> usually they come in pretty quiet again if it's loud we usually think we can chase it down after a cycle you know oh this is touching a little bit here and that's just some of the variations you know it's the tolerance stack i think is the engineering expression we'd use like the jeep's big in this area and our camper's small in that area and okay these things are touching where they shouldn't and we can usually you know tweak that out and get the thing quiet again so we touched on uh guys putting roof racks on top of the tent that articulates up so how do you attach – does it depend on the, the rack or may drilling holes through your top to put a rack on or does it have clamps around the, uh, around the sides where there would be a drip rail? But in, case, in, in the case of yours, there is no drip rail. And then the follow-up is how much weight can your fancy articulating hinge mechanism, your multi-bar link setup, hold as it – You mean lift? Lift. Thank you. Question number one, uh, we mount them. It's a Drake. It's We just drill straight through the top. It's pretty heavy-duty uh, lamination right there because we know where the rack mounts go. And so we just, you know, we, we build a fiberglass pretty solid right there. 
some of the areas we throw in a little Kevlar and carbon just to stiffen it up and make it easier to kind of take the loads. So it's a straight drill through sealed, and that'll give you the rack mounts where we can mount the rails if you want the adjustability. That'll give you the capability of putting things on the roof, either, you know, bars for carrying your canoe, or we see a lot of folks putting a rigid panel up there, uh, which is attached to the rail system. So then we get into the sort of the dynamics of it. When you go to open the camper, as much as we try, we can't change the law of gravity. Feasibility, you can put probably 30 or 40 pounds on the roof, and you're still okay to open and close it. It gets less fun as you add more. <laughs> I, like and, and, and is, I like this positive spin, by the way. It's not hard. It's, it's less, less fun. fun. <laughs> I usually try to walk folks through the, uh, the scenario, which is you get that big load on the roof, and you're like, yeah, you know, I've been watching some He-Man episodes. I could push this thing up. And sure enough, you'll pop the camper all the way up because it's a good solid push with your thighs and arms. And then we do have a mechanical safety pole that drops down to hold the top open just for these kind of unexpected loads or snow or whatever when you're camping. The thing people don't expect is once you have that load open, it's really the closing that gets you. And the reason is all rooftop tents, this isn't unique to us. If you have that load up there and you go to close it, fundamentally that camper's one I got it it's going to want to close on you, which means you have to hold it as it comes down. Yeah, it's coming down. Um, so you don't want to lose an and arm. You're also, yeah, and you're also trying to tuck the tent in. So I usually tell folks you could push it up with two hands because you don't have to worry about the canvas. But on the way down, you got to tuck the canvas in a little bit. That's just the nature of the fabric walls, which means you're actually holding the whole load with one hand in, unless you have a friend around, which can't help. But uh, you know, generally that's where people get in trouble is they're trying to lower the camper and it wants to come all the way down because it's got that load up there. So – my standing advice to folks is we can upsize the struts on the camper if they're going to run something pretty much all the time. And that would be a non-dynamic load like a solar panel, which is they're mounted, they're screwed in and wired. You're not taking them off next weekend. A dynamic load for us would be something more like a canoe or a kayak where, you know, you could pull it off because you're going to use it while you're camping, hopefully. And so we don't change the camper for that dynamic load. For a solar panel, we can go back and upsize the pneumatic struts that hold the camper open to give you a little more up push when you open it because they're higher rating on the struts. And that takes some of the back and forth off. It'll give you a little higher capacity on the roof. You know, knock on wood, my general rule is keep as much weight off the top as you can. That's what we tend to see on some of the build outs with this. You know, we put panels and things like that up there, or max tracks where you're most of the time they're up there. That's one way to get around it. And that'll help you when you're closing as well, just because it's taking more of that load for you. So where did the Ursa Minor name come from? Well, I was a UCLA guy, and all the California oh, systems are okay. uh, bear-related. And so, yeah, kind of that was kind of the background there. But, you know, Ursa Major, obviously, the Big Dipper is, for anybody who camps, the first thing you learn how to, you know. Sure. My Cub Scout son can pick out the Big Dipper. Um, and it's, you know, the Little Dipper actually gives you your North Star. And... Our goal initially was the Hondas and small campers. We're like, yeah, we're kind of small camper guys. That seems to fit a little better. And that is that North Star when you're camping. So uh, awesome. that kind of seemed to fit what we were doing. I love it. That's that's super cool. Uh, I also noticed while perusing the website that you guys are working on a version for Bronco. That is that is the effort right now. Yeah, that is literally while I was waiting to talk to you, I was working on my CAD program. Awesome. And, and I'm guessing, did you have Jeep customers? who were previous, who got a Bronco and said, I, I need to have a, a camper? Or was that just a, a market that you saw as natural progression because of the construction of a Bronco? We have a few Jeep folks switching over. There's, I, I mean, I'm always amazed at brand loyalties. Sure. What really 
came on our radar is as soon as Ford announced that there was always that question of if they were going to have a removable top. So I was kind of keeping an eye on it. I had some insight because we've been building Ford Transit Connects, their little vans. We've been building tops for those, and we worked pretty closely with Ford on those. And so I had a few calls I could make to kind of early indications of like, yeah, I think that's going to be a removable top. So then it was like, okay, that's going to be a, a pretty good match for what we're doing. And then all the Bronco guys were sort of like, hey, you got to make one of these things for Broncos because I'm a Bronco guy. And that was like, okay, yeah, that's that. We're all aligned on that one. It's a great product for us. And it hits all the high notes we've seen with the Jeep. I mean, one, we've been building the Jeeps long enough now. You know, we kind of said like, oh, we, we could totally do the Bronco. It's design wise, it's a completely different product because, you know, there's no real part that'll come off a Jeep and fit on a Bronco. So, not to underestimate, it's a different car. Um, but the functionality of it, of like, hey, we're going to have a scissor hinge and it's going to pop open and you're going to climb in through a hatchway and it's going to weigh about this much and cost about that much. You know, those sort of things lined up really well for us. I mean, it's it's a, a really nice fit for where we're headed. You know, we get calls about like the new Land Cruiser and we're like, oh, we could do a Land Cruiser, but that's not a market we've worked in. And that's more like our Honda work where we're zipping a hole in the car. Sure. It's going to be a lot harder to mount it. The car will have to come to us. So, yeah, when we look at other stuff, sure. But the Bronco was like, whoa, this is our bread and butter. Yeah, we'll definitely do something for that. So you're, it really seems like a natural progression from uh, from the Jeeps. It's like any business, you kind of read your newsletters and who's working on what. And boy, as soon as that Bronco came out, like, oh, that's going to be a nice one for us. And, you know, it's going to line up. Unlike when we switched from Honda to Jeep, the Bronco is just another product in the same sort of generation. We're not, you know, the Jeeps aren't going away. So we will still keep making Jeep campers. And it's not like a, a big jump for us. For us, this is total additive of, hey, this is another vehicle that's going to work really well with what we do. So you're taking a 100% refundable $100 deposit and you're putting those, uh, I guess that puts them in the queue, right? When Correct. do you expect to have these to market? And it looks like they're going to be about $7,250, Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with the pricing, to be honest. Um, we thought we could hit that number. We're kind of seeing where suppliers are. Um, and that's, I, I think in execution, we're probably going to standardize some stuff we had optional on the Jeep just based on, you know, 80% of our Jeep owners order this option. We'll probably make it standard on the Bronco from the get-go. Uh, that bring our, that'll probably bring our price up a little bit. As far as production goes, I, I kind of say every week we'll have one soon, but we're just about ready to start making our first prototype on the Broncos. So, gotcha. you know, we've, we've, we've been taking reservations for a while. I mean, as soon as Broncos did it, we're like, oh, let's, let's see what the interest level is. And we're like, oh. Yeah, we got a couple years of production. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll see what the uptake rate is when we go from reservations to actual orders. But one thing I've learned, we make a unique product. It's, I'd be the first guy to say it's not for everybody. You know, we're not building any, you know, flush toilets in these things. There's no couches. It's going to work for some people and not for others. But for us, we kind of know there's a core group of folks that want to get out there and, and use the vehicle you know, as both a camper and as an exploration vehicle. And so for us on the Bronco, that's that same crew we have. So, you know, it's just a matter of getting them in production and then, you know, getting them out to folks. And I think, you know, in the longer term, we'll go back to our Ford dealers we work with on the Transit Connect and be able to, you know, hopefully offer that through the Ford system as well once we get in production. I, Which, I, by the way, that's that's my favorite of I, all these so far. I was, yeah, the Transit? Yes. I don't know. Like, so Lightning I got really, little bands. I got really close and not, not the shoes, like the actual ones you drive around. I got really close to buying a little Ford Transit Connect. I just love them so much because I had a full size, I had a, a, a Duramax powered Chevy Express 2500 
that was one of my favorite vehicles I've ever owned. But it was it was pretty big, and it, I wasn't always using that cargo area. So I thought, let's downsize it and go to the little Ford. I didn't really like the cockpit as much, but I loved the van overall. And it's just so nice to keep stuff inside, not have to worry about the elements. And that's the perfect combo for me because there's nothing, if you've got like a cargo van, which you make a, a tent for the cargo van as well, not just the seated van, that's like the ultimate camping mobile. Yeah, you're not going necessarily camping or overlanding in it. You may go to the beach and park there and hang out all day and take a nap. <laughs> that sounds really good right now, by the way. <laughs> so I noticed that you guys are have some sort of... Uh, office or location now in portland is that something that's new uh we opened the sh- portland shop actually uh, 2016 okay uh really based on a couple of things we had just tried to figure out you know any business like, how do we expand this thing what are we doing but we just saw that like so many hondas are being sold on the west coast ended up out here on the west in the west you guys know this is where all the trails and blm land is in yeah you know, I had data from what by that point about eight years of production, and just was like, "Wow, you know, we got like a third of our customers are coming from three states up here: you know, Oregon, Washington, Montana, Idaho. You know that that nexus, Northern California." And so it was kind of a question of if we wanted to expand along I five up to the northwest, or head out on I seventy and look for Denver, or maybe Salt Lake City. We were trying to figure out really what the best way was, and it was driven really by our conversion business because the Hondas have to come into our shop. We don't kit those particular vehicles out. And we were working on the Transit Connect at the time. It was kind of early stage. And we we're like, okay, we, we're going to bring these cars through our shop in San Diego. It's not a big spot. And so it was just a question of like, hey, wait, let's address these customers closer, shorten their commute to our shop. And then, you know, with the Jeep, it was just a win because obviously we can install them. We can ship them out, so we can do that anywhere. So we we opened the Portland shop up in uh, yeah 2016 is about when we started taking cars through there, and then we were doing our transit connects up here in Portland and the Hondas. So and all the ins- we still do Jeeps. So for the most part, all the installations have to happen at one of your shops, right? I mean, well, not the hard top. All, all the conversions were metal. The has conversions. To be cut. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. The Jeep Got tops yeah, just you, are, can, you can ship out, and and and, and so Jeep tops go all over. How many of these are per- permanent installations? versus seasonal i want to take it on and off for summertime or for winter or whatever or i mean when when i'm cutting the metal like that seems very permanent to me as opposed to the jeep yeah the hondas are one way that's a conversion just like a vw van i mean it it never comes off again except for service or repairs um same thing on the transit connect they're they're permanent installs that's a conversion van type approach um on the jeeps and the upcoming bronco it's pretty easy to get them off you know folks usually ask and i you know it's it's three steps it's on a jeep your eight bolts second step is disconnect we got quick once it's been installed the first time we have quick disconnects on the uh, wiring harnesses so you just reach up disconnect them wiper and the power for the camper and then step three is this little gravity problem which is either you know three neighbors before you give them the beers (laughs) you know heave it off of there for the folks you know i i wish i knew how many came off often i don't think it's a lot um, I've got a few customers who are acknowledged, like, hey, I rock crawl. I don't want a camper on it for that weekend. And they've kind of dialed in their home garage with you know, lifting points, what have you. It's pretty easy to get it off if you're going to do it every week. You, you know, you set up four hang, you know, cinch straps or winch lines or something and, you know, pluck it off on the corners. Or we've seen some of the Jeep hoist companies yep. uh, have some of their little higher spec just for our campers. Again, once your garage is dialed in, you can pull it off pretty quick. Uh, 
our shop here in in Portland, I uh, I kind of have a cheat, which is hilarious because now that every car has a backup camera and they all have those little dotted lines on it, I've matched the dotted lines on the floor of the shop. So I just back it into all the red lines line, line up, and I know I can pluck that thing right off of there. If I want to buy a camper, what's the process? I go to UrsaMinerVehicles.com. I can spec out. I can do – you guys have it really well organized by drop-down for Jeep, Ford, Honda. And then you can go and see the camper customize it. So once I get to that photo of, let's say, it's a Wrangler JL, and customize and add to cart, the Wrangler JL uh, starts at $10,000 or so? It's going to be around there. Yeah, when you factor in the shipping, the sales tax, and things like that. And then from there, I can add those other options that we were talking about earlier. Now, what's the what's the lead time? What do you require from somebody? Do they send you an internet order and you call them to verify that? Every, I mean, obviously, if you're choosing, you know, which parts do you want painted and textured, or which options, that's probably pretty important to follow up with a, a, a customer on. But what's the entire process from the time I hit the order button to when I show up at the shop for installation? Generally, we're running about 30 days. So if someone hits the go button tomorrow morning, about 30 days out, they're going to get it. Uh, it'll go up a little bit as they get more custom just because they got to go through a paint cycle and things like that. Our order process, a couple things I always try to highlight, folks. One, I'm an engineering guy, cost plus, whatever. But I came out of it with a perspective. Of, I don't like the like, well, how much you got? That's not a way of price thing. So we try to make it drop down. Like if you want option A, there's the price you get done. It's going to it's going to give you a total price for the camper when you're done. It's all up front. Um, you know, for 90% of our customers, they don't have to call us for pricing because we try to price everything up front. That total at the end, when you check out, what we do is a 10% down payment that just, you know, holds a spot for us, lets us build parts specific to an order. And the rest, typically we don't charge till you pick it up. We do, you know, as we get more custom, obviously we might come back to you if you want something unique, because we're going to have a little more exposure on that. But uh, you know, things like colors of vehicles, Usually the follow presser for us is if you order a you know something painted a match, we're going to loop back to you and say, hey, let, send us a copy of the the VIN and the paint code for it, so we can you know confirm what color we're painting it. We do all that stuff up front before the vehicle comes in. So before a Jeep would come in our shop, the camper's already painted. We don't wait for the car to come in to do that. And when I say 30 days, that's about about when the car would be ready to come into the shop. Uh, for a Jeep, we're in and out same day. Uh, you know, again, the install is designed to be super you know, user-friendly and fast. So coming into our shop, uh, you know, typically you'll have it right after lunchtime. If you're coming in first thing in the morning, we work with quite a lot of other shops. So, you know, if shops are listening to this, if we aren't, we have a few dedicated dealers like mainline overline uh, is our dealer for the East coast, but we work with a lot of Jeep build shops. They're building something for a customer that does things we don't do. For example, if you said, Hey, I want to lift. It's just not what we do. We don't do lifts. So if you're in a shop, uh, getting a ton of work done and you want to have the camper added while your car, car's there, we can work with the shop to get it shipped there and have them install it because it's pretty straightforward. Awesome. And there's a bunch of photos, options on the website. Again, that's uh, UrsaMinerVehicles.com. And you've got a uh, YouTube channel at Ursa Minor Vehicles, Instagram at Ursa Minor Vehicles, Facebook at Ursa Minor Ve- uh, Vehicles. So uh, basically, one-stop shop. You, you did it right from your marketing, my friend. Yeah, we're getting there. I, I always tell folks, if they can't find a photo on our website, Google Images, get ready. There's the rest of your day right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's enough of them out there that, you know, we can't begin to load them all. You know, there's owners out there posting up and there's, you know, YouTube channels from some of our owners where they, you know, have long-term experiences in the campers. And I always tell folks, you know, there's uh, Expedition Portal has a pretty good thread on one of our, on our Jeep campers. And 
I, somebody called me once. I said, Hey, I have a read. The guy called me the next day. He's like, uh, you know, I spent like eight hours on that. I wasn't done. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of great info out there. I mean, that's kind of where I uh, have caught up with you, and I would like to follow up with you on the Bronco. I don't know uh, if if you're aware, but uh, there's a new uh, overlanding magazine called OVR, and I'm one of the uh, the partners on that, and would love to do uh, <laughs> humble <a> f- brag, <laughs> humble brag. Not so humble. I'm just letting the man know. I mean, he's in the overlanding space, and I think it would be a great feature uh, for how to convert uh, your Bronco when they come out. So, no, uh, that's that's fantastic, and you can we'll buy, an ad- you buy an advertisement. I didn't say anything about advertising. I just like the pro- I like the product for 15 years. I bought ads. I bought an ad in there. It's about time. Well, I already did. They're good. It's actually run. It's in, is it in the episode uh, in the uh, issue right now that's on newsstands? I don't know. Here's the issue that's on newsstands right here. Let me see it. Hold on a second. There's my bank's ad in here. Let me take a look. Well, could you do it when we don't have a guest oh, on oh, the yeah. phone? I don't want to waste this time. <laughs> <laughs> John, you've been awesome. We really appreciate the time. I, and I'm serious. I want to follow up because I'm, I'm definitely interested in uh, in seeing what you do with the Bronco. And you guys make a great product. And it's great to finally connect and, and have you on the phone and on the podcast. Hey, I appreciate you guys reaching out and uh, giving me a chance to tell the story. Hope people find it was interesting and I appreciate your interest in it. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll send you a link when the show comes out and uh, we appreciate your time. All right. You guys have a great evening. All right. Congrats on the success. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Dave, in studio guest, how do you feel about getting into some truck news? Let's do this. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Yeah, Dave! Woo! Woo! That was, uh, well, well done. Very I do nice. that in my truck when I'm driving all by myself. <laughs> it's super is it weird. Be- is it better with lighting doing it with you? Ah. He gets a little bit creepy when he, he gets well, he involved. Got great. He got up and it, the yeah. hips were involved in that yeah. one. That was super, super weird. Yeah. Hey, uh, lighting, did you hear? I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. Apparently, uh, GMC Hummer EV, uh, well, apparently the the market has uh, crashed. How so? What do you mean? Well, people were uh, selling them for like 100 and 150,000 over sticker uh, and flipping them. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, that's uh, that's no longer the case. Ouch. So if you remember, some of them were selling for upwards of $325,000. And now a, a quick search... On the old Google, uh, Auto Trader has a few, for example. Um, they are slightly above MSRP. And uh, you can also look at uh, uh, Bring a Trailer, and you can see their auction results. And they are at a uh, precipitous decline. Ouch. It sounds like everybody who got theirs uh, wanted one. Got it. And Which there uh, can't be that many because we're in the epicenter of Cardam right here in Southern California, and I have seen two ever. Two. Yeah, I've seen a few of them. So far, there's a, a just over 11,000 of them have been uh, produced, which is actually more than I thought. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope. Speaking of electrified vehicles, uh, Jeep recalled the Wrangler 4xe uh, for fire risks. So the recall affects 32,000 vehicles ah! in the U.S., yeah, this one, this one is uh, that, that one hurts a little bit. Now, what's curious is the four by E has basically the same drivetrain as the four by E Grand Cherokee sitting in my driveway, but no such alert was issued for the Grand. So that one hurt me. I've got the four by E sitting in my garage. Oh, and you I, do? Yeah, I was out of I was out of state uh, at Thanksgiving well, that's not dinner great. with my family. 
right? And uh, did I'm you call thinking, your neighbors and say, "Hey, keep an eye on my uh, my Jeep. Make sure the house doesn't go up in flames." Did you yeah. really? Well, I did, right? Because it was plugged in inside my garage with the, with my C10 just sitting there and all the tools and everything else in the garage. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose everything. Well, just uh, what's causing this in per- what's causing the fire? So let's put this in perspective. Only. Uh, Eight vehicles have caught fire out of those 32,000. Well, it's 45,000 total because some are in Europe and elsewhere in the world. So eight of those. And out of those vehicles, only six were uh, connected to chargers. So this is kind of interesting because Jeep did something proactive where they started looking at all the data that they get back over the air updates. And they realized that there was an issue with uh, the battery software. So it says there's no uh, injuries or accidents related to the issue. And there will be a software flash on the affected vehicles. And if they see a specific error code, then they'll replace the battery pack. And so uh, it's new technology. All I can say is our 4xe Grand Cherokee hasn't had one issue with the drivetrain. It's been solid. Like we thought this, and this was one of the first ones that rolled off the assembly line. And I'm thinking, well, let's just lease it for a couple of years because if it's a total, you know, dog or mm-hmm. have issues, new technology, then we can, you know, clean our hands of it. We haven't had any issues. It's been great. We've got sixteen thousand miles on it now. That's been a good ship. Yeah, it's been. Oh, crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what that was. Um, <laughs> must have been one of those uh, cyber trucks over there. Oh, thank you. Good night. <laughs> hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No. <laughs> ne- negative. Negatory. Uh, speaking of Jeeps, uh, Jeep has dropped the V8 from the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer for 2024. And so now the Wagoneer will have uh, one engine across the entire lineup, and that's the twin-turbocharged Hurricane Straight 6. The high-output version of that is no slouch. 510 horsepower and 500 pound-feet of torque. And uh, I will have one of those in a couple weeks. Really? So looking forward to uh, do a little uh, family road trip out to Arizona. In the uh, world's best road trip machine. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. You're going to have, can we say that you, you're getting that other vehicle from our friends at the other, starts with an N? Can I say that? Yes. Okay, Nissan, you're getting uh, we'll a have Frontier. A, we'll have a Frontier for a few. Okay. Uh, okay. For, I didn't know that, that was public knowledge yet. Okay. For, it's not, but uh, thank not, you. Now it is. Okay. Well, so you're getting, a, you're getting a Frontier. You're getting a Frontier for a little while. And then you're also going to have this Wagoneer. This is just a short-term uh, loan to uh, go on a little road trip. Now, which one is Lightning getting? Which one is, uh, will Lightning have? Yeah, that's will a, Lightning light- get the Frontier while you're in the Wagoneer? They aren't here at the same time. You're going to have the Frontier for an extended period, and they do uh-huh. overlap. You're they lying do, to my they face. Do not, they do not overlap. Yes, they do. You're lying. I know you're lying. Davey's lying. Write to me. Are you seeing this happen? He I just see, doesn't want to give one up. I see nothing. The, you're not on the paperwork. You're not insured <laughs> on it. I'm sorry. I can get insured. I've got plenty of insurance. I have corporate nope. insurance with a TRX, nope. dude. You're, you're not a known entity to uh, to the corporations. I'm sorry to inform you of this. Nope. And no. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. You're wrong. The, uh, the Grand Wagoneer comes before the Frontier comes and goes home before it arrives also. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. No. Uh, did you see that some uh, TRX driver had their TRX fall off a cliff in Moab. No, I actually did not see this. So this was uh, super scary, but uh, apparently... Like an off a cliff, off a cliff. Not uh, just roll over... Oh, oh no, full full on down off a cliff. Apparently, it tumbled, hitting every rock ledge on the way down, according to our friend uh, Caleb no. Jacobs of uh, The Drive. No, no, no. said, amazingly, no one was hurt in the crash, so apparently people were inside, and then they had to recover the rig... 
with uh, the the crew from uh, Moab Motorsports. So Rory Irish, known as the owner of uh, Trailmater. So he took a group to drag the Hellcat-powered pickup out of the bottom, and they had to get special BLM permission to go in this area to recover the TRX. So I'm going to put a, a picture of the TRX, and it looks just like yours. So imagine when this went across my newsfeed. Okay. And the first thing I thought about was, oh, my God, Lightning's actually in Moab and not in uh, <laughs> Scotland. Uh, did this one have a Rambar, the world's ugliest accessory? Uh, it did not have a Rambar. Okay. Well, if it had a Rambar, would it have helped uh, support the cab from being crushed? I don't think so. Those okay. aren't structural They're just for looks. Members. Got it. Now, if you'll uh, uh, cast my eyes to the uh, Podshed Studio monitor. Yep. Oh damn! That is so, oh that smushed. There, that was bad. That is that's gnarly. Every tire is off the rim. Oh, every body panel is smushed. The uh, oh the frames gosh. bent. Yeah, it it tumbled There's away. There's nothing left of that poor TRX. The engine's probably destroyed as well. Holy mackerel! That is so, and it's in. What what a strange crevasse it fell into. Well, it did come from the top, so I cannot imagine being in that when it tumbled. So it like literally rolled down the hill. That's yeah. a ton of damage. Yeah. So I don't know what the uh, what the circumstances are uh, behind that particular one, but yeah, not not so great. So uh, they finally got it out. If if you can see, I'll uh, put it up on the screen here. They pulled it out eventually, and it is pretty bad. The fact that anybody lived, they don't say what the drop-off was or, uh, you know, how many people were in it or anything like that. But uh, the good news is, is they got it out. It won't be down there forever. And, uh, you know, everybody's safe. So anyway, I saw Ooh. that and I thought, uh, I thought of my man Lightning off-roading alone. Yeah, I, I am stupid, but I'm not that stupid. I would not go off-roading, especially in a place like that, alone. Nor would I. Nah, just, nah, mm, no, negative. Mm -mm. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure you heard about this one. I did. Uh, Alabama Ford dealer has managed to put together a base model Ford F-150 sleeper truck. Yes. yes. 705 horsepower for around $45,000. I saw that super low price. Is that it's got a Whipple supercharger on it, correct? Uh, no, it has the uh, Roush TVS supercharger. And uh, 373 rear end. It's an XL. It has a 12-inch digital display uh, cluster. Sync 4 with uh, CarPlay, and that's about all the luxury you're going to get out of that. This is a new 2024 model, and uh, 705 horsepower for 45 grand is a, an absolute bargain. I can't imagine that this truck is, is even able to drive on the street with those weak tires, high mileage, hard tires on their steel wheels. Could you imagine just smoking everybody? No. Um, is it if two wheel? You said two wheel drive or four wheel drive? Uh, my guess is that it's probably four wheel it's drive, be four -wheel but, drive. But I don't There's know. No other way you could get a launch out of that. Yeah. Thing. So uh, five liter Coyote V8. Your choice of cloth or vinyl seats. Mm -hmm. uh, Three seventy three locking rear axle. Twelve inch uh, productivity screen in the instrument cluster. Remote start. Uh, not through your uh, key, but through Ford Pass, which is the app. Sync four. Uh, and then they add to that the uh, Roush Performance TVS. This is the 2.65 liter supercharger, 705 horsepower, 635 pound-feet of torque, and a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. I know that you don't know this off the top of your head, but can you guess the weight? 5,000 pounds. So over 1,000 pounds less than the TRX. Maybe 5,200 would be my guess. 
which got to just scream. I remember watching Cletus McFarlane with his doing his four wheel launches in his uh, I was in the Shelby. I don't know. I, th- I think his had the Whipple on it. And it was just wicked fast, freaking everybody out that went in the in the passenger seat with him. So keep uh, in mind that Ford also has their 700 horsepower kit from the factory, which does use the Whipple. Um, but this isn't that. This is, uh, and th- that's a three liter uh, blower. Uh, TC Customs in Alabama is again doing the uh, the Roush. The Ford package twelve thousand three hundred fifty dollars. The advantage to the Ford kit over the TC kit is that it's 50 state legal where the TC Customs has no carb EO. So uh, if you want to have that here in California, you got to go with the Whipple. Also, the base model 2024 F-150 is about 38.5 after delivery. So if you were to get the uh, Ford Performance 700 kit for 12.350, you'd be around 50,000. So this is actually a little bit less than that. Hey, lighting, did you hear? No, wait. No. So uh, the first spy shots have emerged of the uh, 2025 Nissan Frontier. Mm. So you can see it with the uh, the camo on it. So uh, excited to uh, see the freshening to the rear end, the front end, and uh, maybe a few interior bits. But uh, hard to tell. They did a nice job with the camo. Damn Nissan! Come on now. I want to I want to see the bits under the camo. But it's good to see that they uh, that they're investing in the Frontier. Obviously, uh, that is a a big seller for them, and uh, it's definitely one of the best little trucks on the market. So, hey, lighting, did you hear? I mean, no, no. Mm-mm. Speaking of small trucks, there is a small media drive, and all of the outlets are talking about driving for the first time the 2024 Toyota Tacoma. So the uh, the initial drives uh, were very short. Uh, I was stuck in the LA Auto Show where Toyota showed off exactly one base model truck on their stand that was locked. And so I didn't get a chance to drive it, but all of the reports are it drives like a smaller Tundra, which is what you would expect considering they're on the same uh, the same platform, and that it's worthwhile to upgrade to the rear coil sprung suspension because the leaf spring model is uh, fairly rough. Uh, they said the powertrain is awesome on it. The hybrid is really good. It makes uh, whooshy turbo noises, which everybody seemed to like. And the uh, your butt isn't one inch off the uh, floor pan like it is in uh, the uh, the current truck, and that the seating position is more natural. And it's and suspended by shock absorbers in your back. Well, that's only on one model. That would be the TRD Pro that has the uh, the special uh, seats in it. So uh, more to come on that, but all of the uh, initial impressions that I've read have all been really positive, uh, even though they were fairly short. I think that we're going to see a lot of them at the SEMA show in 2024. It's uh, just going to be the it truck. I think you're you're probably right. And uh, the new Tacoma starts at... The new Tacoma starts at 38750 32995 was way, way off. So that's a uh, base price increase of about 2900 over the uh, the current model. So if you uh, want to get into uh, a brand new 2024 Tacoma, it's mm-hmm. a little more uh, queso for that taco. Yeah, I'll be here all night. I don't like Literally, queso. I'll do, be here all night because do, lightning can't make a show. Do, do you like queso? I don't... Like, queso seems to run through me. I don't cheese. like... I know it is, but it's like... It's not like jalapeno cheese or, or cheddar or any of that. Queso just... Phew, it's like a fire hose right through you. Do you know why? <laughs> hey, Lightning. Have I heard? How about no? No. Did you hear? No, I just said I played the no drop. Hey, remember that little uh, Toyota truck that you were enamored with? Yes. I would love, love, love to own this. I can't recall the name, but it was like a, it, it was just bigger than a golf cart. 
So uh, this is now called the Hilux Champ, and it is a production version of the IMV0 concept that uh, we have talked about on the show, where we showed all the little uh, cool renderings of all the different stuff you could do. Right. Uh, and if you move to Thailand... Which, which, I, which I am. I hope you will. That'd uh-huh. be great. Yep, because uh, I can do the show remotely. Yeah. Uh, it will uh, only be about $13,000 or top out at about 16000 Paint options are limited to uh, white, silver, or gray, but you can still pick from uh, a bunch of different body styles. So there's mm-hmm. a RV, a food truck, a medical van a with a refrigerator. Truck. Yeah. A camper with a roof-mounted tent. Like, Boy, does that make sense like in this episode? like one burrito in the back of that thing. It's so small. You and can have a food truck and a rooftop tent on the same rig. You could, yeah. Yeah. It's so... Go back to that... Show show Dave the photo of that, please. How cool is that, Dave? That is something that's a rendering that it looks like something you could build out of Legos. It really does. It looks yeah, exactly that's a, like that's that. Yeah, that's a little tiny Lego truck. Oh, it hey, is by the, the way, coolest thing ever. Speaking of Legos, did you hear? No, 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 I haven't. Check out this awesome Hot Wheel of the uh, articulating Dodge Power Wagon. Oh, that is cool. Wait, I've never seen... Is that real? Is that... I haven't seen a Hot Wheel that twists like that. Well, the the vehicle's real. Okay. So it's just a a, a rad um, power wagon. Like, we've talked to Winslow Bent over... uh, Who restores power wagons, and uh, he's had a few articulating ones. And they're awesome because they, uh, they bend in the middle. Instead of having all the axles move, the entire cab. So Hot Wheels has uh, made a toy based on that, which is I thought would uh, I thought you would be impressed. It's a I, nice... I dig it. Why doesn't Legos have? I know that's not Lego. That's Hot Wheel. But why has Lego not released a big cool truck? They've got oh, Bugattis, oh, Ferraris, all right, moving, Porsches, F1 cars. Okay, moving away from Hot Wheels, uh, Redline Club Holiday Car, which is the 1952 Dodge Power Wagon. And I found this for you because I know you love building Legos. Yes, I do. And you love doing things that you will never, ever... W- once you build it, you're done playing with it. I that's guess. that's correct. So right now, I have three Lego Technic kits at my house, in my office, mm-hmm. in boxes, ready to build. No clue what if I'll ever get to them. Two Star Wars. What was the third? Oh, and I have the... Uh, uh, the Mustang GT in blue. I wanted it what red like Gail's, but you. I could only get it blue. What if I told you... Legos just released a 9,090-piece Lego set. What you talking about, Willis? What? Oh, the Titanic. How big is it, I wonder? 9,000 pieces. It's pretty rad. I wonder what the biggest, because I built the Death Star. I think that was like around the 9,000 mark. What did you do with the Death Star when you were done with it? Uh, It is still intact in in a closet. And then I built, (laughs) dude, I built a Millennium Falcon with my kids a few Uh years back and we lost one piece and it was so integral and it was one of those, from what I understand, one of, uh, I I knew a guy that worked at Lego and he was part of making the kits that uh, tied into movies and they get like bonused uh, to make kits that do not require any bespoke parts they're supposed to try to reuse parts from other kits and this particular millennium falcon was not that this had a particular piece that wasn't in any other kits and we couldn't build the whole, we got to about three quarters of the way done and we missed that one piece and we had to destructo the whole thing and put it all back in the box in pieces and it it sucked it was such a buzzkill my, my kids were honestly so bummed we couldn't finish it and that was probably at least 6,000 pieces on that Millennium Falcon. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! No. The Carolina Squat 
is now uh, outlawed and uh, the laws are soon to take effect. So in South Carolina, uh, see, this is what happens when you name something. When you name something, people know what it is and then they use it against you. According to uh, the Lanaster County Sheriff's Office, a first offense of a vehicle altered in height, so the front fender is four or more inches greater than the height of the rear fender, is $100. A second offense within five years is $200. A third or subsequent uh, offense within five years, $300. And a freaking suspension for one year of your driver's license. Damn. Yes, that's good. Play stupid games, I guess. Or make stupid laws, depending on which side you are. Here's what sucks. They snuck into the law that if your truck has been lowered more than six inches, if it's still leveled, or lifted more than six inches, even what? if it's level, that fine will be between 25 and 50 bucks. Wait a minute. If it's level? If it's still level, not even a Carolina squat... If it's lifted or lowered more than six inches, you're also screwed. So all you people, this is the problem when you complain about other people's stuff when what they do because you don't like it, they include you. And now what, your beloved hobby also gets wrangled up into this nastiness. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So you're saying that they can no longer in that state lower the truck or lift it. Within it's, six inches. Wh- That's so wrong. That's yeah. un-American. It's super sucky. So anyway, like I said before, for all you people who are like, I got a lifted truck, but I hate the Carolina squat. Well, guess what? You got wrapped up in that too. So stop tattling on other people because they're going to come after you next. Lower the suckage. Yeah, you lower, lower it. You can lower the suckage. You can't lower the rear. Mm. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No, mm-hmm. haven't heard. Uh, the Ineos Grenadier. Mm-hmm. Not the, uh, the Grenadine uh. Quartermaster pickup truck has started production. And it'll be coming to the uh, U.S. in early 2024. That is cool. Also, it looks like a Lego truck. Uh, yeah, that th- I like that better than the uh, the Grenadier that has the full the you SUV know, wagon. The SUV wagon, yeah. That looks cooler. That looks a little more industrial. I can see that in the Outback somewhere. Not in this country, though. Why not in this country? We don't do stuff like that here. Well, uh, you should check out uh, my new magazine, ovrmag.com, uh-huh. and maybe it'll uh, change your, your, your You guys tune. are based in Australia? Uh, yes. Okay. Australia, California. Okay. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? Oh, no. No. Hmm, negative. So two interesting things happened with uh, legislation this week. One is New Jersey moved to ban new gas-powered vehicle sales uh, starting in 2035, so... No. The, the new rule says that at least 42% of new car sales in the state must be zero emissions starting in 2027. So copying more of uh, California's uh, insanity. However, in uh, in other news, which is uh, what I think is good news, a uh, Dem governor from Connecticut uh, looks like he's pulling the plug on his own electric ma- uh, vehicle mandate, um, stunning environmentalists. So uh, according to Fox News, Democrat Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is withdrawing his plan to mandate future EV purchases after the proposal received uh, bipartisan pushback uh, from lawmakers. He decided to pull the plug, which I think is hilarious, on the proposal just four months after unveiling it, basically untethering Connecticut's emission standards to those set in California, which mandated every passenger vehicle uh, sold is electric by 2035. Uh, which was the most aggressive in the country. And as we've said before, it'll never happen here. 
And I think you're going to start seeing it not happening other places. And according to Connecticut Senate Republican leader Kevin Kelly, common sense has prevailed. The governor's decision to withdraw the regulation is a reasoned approach to address the growing concerns raised by working and middle class families. Adopting California emission standards, which ban the sale of gas powered cars, is a substantial policy shift which must be decided by the General Assembly, basically saying that the governor wasn't able to do that. Uh, He continues, there's too many questions regarding the capacity of our electrical grid, the cost and location of grid improvements, and the negative impact on urban, rural, and working poor families. Said uh, 90% of the pollution in Connecticut comes outside the control of Connecticut. We need a national approach to improve our air quality. State-by-state strategy will only prolong the attainment of cleaner air. So sounds like uh, people are starting to figure out that it's, you know, EVs aren't everything they're selling you. And again, we like EVs for the right use case. I just don't want to be forced into them. They make sense. And if they make sense for you, then that's great. But nobody should be mandated into it when the technology is not quite there yet. We need to talk to our man, uh, Corey Willis of PPEI, because he's affiliated with the state of Louisiana that I believe is suing the federal government and the state of California um, because they want to sever California's uh, control over the EPA, basically. Well, Um, and they had done that during the last administration, and it was reinstated during this administration. So, mm. Uh, I, yeah, there should be one standard. It should be uh, nationwide. States should not be driving federal law. That is only my own opinion. All right, Holman, it's email time. Uh, How do you feel about giving Dave, our in-studio guest, and uh, the head of our social media team, Uh, a couple of emails? Whoa, 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 whoa. The head of our social media department. Oh, department. Yes. 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 You're you're a department head. Nice. I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn profile. You should. Perfect. All right. Here we go. Some email. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right. Hold on. Can I go first? Sure. All right. Uh, email is Frontier Spotting. Uh, this looks like it's from uh, Nolan Kotman. Hey, lightsaber and hold my beer. My neighbor owns a nice 23 Nissan Frontier SV 4x4, and I'm meaning to send a pic for some stickers. Uh, I actually recently bought a 94 Nissan hardbody from him, and I'm slowly rebuilding it after it got in an accident. Uh, it's an SE V6 4x4 Sport, and you guys mentioned Rugged Rocks Off-Road a few episodes ago, and they have a ton of hard body stuff. Keep up the great work, and five stars. Five star review! Five stars! Thank you for the compliments and the photos, and that is going to be a bit of work based on the photos that you sent, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing the final uh, final uh, work of art that you create out of that hard body. All right, got one here from uh, Michael May. says, hey, Lighting Holman. Been listening since the beginning and never miss an episode. I just finished your second SEMA coverage and wanted to offer you a tip for dry weather areas. I'm a truck driver, spent many, many, many nights in hotels. Here's the move. Before bed, take one of the hotel towels, throw it in the tub. When it's really saturated, put that weird clothes hanger dryer thing in front of the heater AC and hang the towel from it or just throw the towel right over the unit. This really improved my life. Hopefully it helps you all. Thanks for putting on a great show, and keep mounting those parameters and five stars. It's uh, Michael from North Carolina. Master, monitor, key, engine, parameters. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. That would be the Carolina that doesn't hate trucks. Right. 
Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> All right, Dave, you're up. So I've got one from uh, Joseph Barabino. He says, I still haven't received my sticker, Lightning. <laughs> yeah. What the... <laughs> WTF, bro. I'm trying to get my, my wife involved in, in helping me with this. Because I'll do like 20, 30 sets of stickers, send them out in a batch, and then I end up losing track and I go for a couple of weeks without sending anymore. So I said, hey, wifey, if I just forward the addresses to you, will you fill out? Because I've already got the signed stickers and the little form and all that stuff. And she's she's just, she's down for it, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. So All right. Or, well, let me tell you why you need to pull that trigger. I am going to revoke a star from my review until I get a sticker. No! No! Coming, it's no, coming. No, and I'm also going to refer to you guys as Holman and Lightning. No, that's that doesn't work. That's a so, huge. So bit. jump on it. No. Uh, another one, Frontier Spotting here, and this is from uh, Chris Whipple. Finally found one. One random question, though. Why is no, he says finally found one? As in finally found a, a Nissan Frontier. Uh, by the way, if, if you're new to the show and you hadn't heard what Frontier spotting is, when you're in your truck and you see a Nissan Frontier, uh, you shoot a photo of it and then you send that photo to us, and then in, theoretically, me Lightning, I will send you a pair of nice shiny round Truck Show Podcast stickers. And I have sent out a few hundred sets already, um, and and I will send one to you. Anyway, uh, he says. Yes, Dave? So I do. I, I've got a request. So maybe instead of emailing them to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, post them on your social. Post them in your story and tag the, uh, tag the Truck Show Podcast. And that's going to do two things. One, it's going to share that community with the, the Frontier Spotting. And two, it's going to let me hold you accountable for getting those stickers Look, look at that. That's great, except they won't want to put their home address in well, that's where the, DM comes, that's where the right. DM comes through. So once they post them up, I'll send them a I'll send them a message, and we'll get their home address, and I'll send everything to you, and uh, we'll keep track of what you've sent and what you haven't. I'm all about it. If you guys want to go hog wild on <laughs> IG and Facebook, uh, please post up the your your frontier spotting photos. Dave making more work for himself. I like him, <laughs> especially Fine. for the cost. I, I mean, if you're willing to do it. Yep, so post it up in your stories. We'll get it reshared. We'll get your address. We'll get the details. Right. Out, hashtag so yeah. Frontier Spotting and hashtag Truck Show Podcast, and he'll find it. So anyway, he says, uh, one random question. Why is nitrogen used in shocks? Why do they not use uh, a different gas? Uh, let's get the jizzle and going. Uh, we need some I more comedy here. The jizzling? I don't know what he means. It's just literally, let's get the jizzle and going. We need some more comedy cleaning products in our garage. Uh, oh, I think he meant, yeah, he meant jizzlent. Yes. He just didn't get it. Right. Huh, G is silent. Anyway, so Holman, uh, why nitrogen? Uh, because nitrogen, uh, for a couple reasons. One is it's a dry gas, so there's no moisture in it. So if you think of a steel-bodied monotube shock, if there's any moisture in there, you're going to rot or corrode the inside of your shock. So that's number one. You don't want any moisture in there. Number two is because there's no moisture content, it doesn't heat up. Uh, and it stays stable throughout the temperature range. So if you're looking at nitrogen, it's no, it's no different than why they put it in aircraft tires or things like that. What happens is when you have moisture inside there, when it heats up, the moisture molecules expand. And when they expand, they change the viscosity of the fluid. And now your valving is different than if you were using nitrogen. Um, so Do the they call nitrogen an inert gas? It is an inert gas. 
So you, you don't want moisture in there for corrosion. You don't want it there because you don't want it to expand and change. Uh, and you want a constant force of the valving going through the uh, oil and gas system. And uh, yeah, there you there, go. There's your answer. So is there real value in changing out your, the tire or the air inside your tires? I've been stopped at I don't know how many that different gas stations. That is complete bullshit. Okay. Don't do it. Don't pay for it. It doesn't cost them any money. Uh, it costs you a lot of money, and it doesn't do anything. And in fact, I would argue uh, that it's, uh, well, if you look at what they say it does, bunk. Yeah. Bunk. I'm glad I never paid for it. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, snake oil, for sure. Hey, uh, I got this one from Jason Gaynor, says Lighting and Holman. Let me first say thank you for making an incredible show. I look forward to it every Monday. I'm sorry to say that while I love my 2019 L5P, I must drive my 2010 Mini Cooper Rattlebox as I travel for work. In the past, we had a 2010 Accurate MDX, basically a bigger CRV of sort, uh, but not really. It was excellent on maintenance, zero issues, but terrible on mileage. We bought the Mini for $6,000 because 30-ish miles per gallon. We've easily put $12,000 in repairs in three years of ownership. <laughs> so how does it settle the debate? The CRV is the perfect vehicle for a new driver. The Mini is just a fun German pain in the ass. I do enjoy driving the Mini when it isn't in the shop. The Acura was just numb and boring. On the bright side, we replaced the MDX with a 2022 JL EcoDiesel Rubicon. Uh, lighting, the Pedal Monster is the best thing that ever happened to the JL EcoDiesel. It's such a turd without it. That may be the one model that Gail should remove reverse safety. <laughs> uh, enjoy uh, the Seamus show and uh, looking forward to the interviews. Thank you, Jason Gainers, of course. By, by the way, you can fool the Pedal Monster into not going into reverse safety if you just choose a different vehicle type. It won't find the reverse gear. And and therefore, is that information you. you want to put out? In the no, I mean, most people won't do it. You know, like they want reverse safety, okay. but in his case, sure, he does want to back <laughs> up a little faster. All right, that's, fair that's, enough. That's fine. Uh, Dave, better up. Yes. Uh, so from Trevor uh, Nemero, your experience in radio shined when interviewing Chuck Guru. That's uh, Chris Payne, our friend. Oh uh, yes, Chris Payne. At the end of the day, what does the uh, email say? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. So seriously, WTF was he saying? I have no idea. <laughs> Somehow, OnlyFans is going to take away my take my truck away. People like that guy drive me nuts. Complaining about they and them and all these vague half glass full statements. Uh, listen, well, will you, so listen. Like, I could have swore I was reading it right. <laughs> so, so Chris Payne, truck guru, is is a friend of ours. Uh, uh, genuinely, but. He thinks that everyone's in his little world, right, of, like, modifying trucks. And as soon as we walked up, Holman and I, with our mics, we were in West Hall. He was just surly because somebody had rubbed him the wrong way. And he that came right across on the microphone. And I thought I kept it because it was, it was real, right? He yeah. was just venting. And I thought, this is so inside baseball. He just... No one's going to be able to relate to this, but hopefully they found it entertaining because he was just so perturbed about something. And, and I tried to whatever that thing was. Yeah, he was just somebody. One of his either one of the sponsors or one of his clients rubbed him the wrong way, just did him dirty. And uh, he was going to share it with you, the audience. Right, and that's fair, right? It, especially when you're at Seaman, you're seeing all these truck builds, and you're trying to work with all of these high-stress environments to put together a, a high-quality build. That stress just exists. It's a natural part of doing what we do. Well, yeah, and he, what he does, though, is like he'll come to me as, as the guy from Banks, mm -hmm. and he'll say, I've got a client. I've got, we're building a truck, and it's going to go to these shows and be on these YouTube channels, et cetera. And so will you give me or sell me these parts at, at a, at a big discount right and in in exchange for making any for making no profit i'm selling these parts to him at a discount i should get some press out of it right 
when his clients don't fulfill that obligation, they don't post on Instagram, they don't make a YouTube video or anything, the things that he obligated them to do for me, he gets pissed off. He's like, you're making me look bad to Jay from Banks, right? And so I think that was kind of the crux of the matter. His He was getting let down. That's fair. So the email goes on to read, uh, good job calling him out uh, and watching him struggle and, and take back the pedal digging on the vague hole getting even deeper. Uh, I'd be willing to bet if you were able to dig deeper into those things uh, he was complaining about, he would have... Uh, been much more culpable in the situation than you think based off of uh, the initial statements. I guess you struck a nerve uh, that these days, in general, it seems when one person is quick to make a general, the sky is falling statement, and so many people blindly jump on cheering in an agreement and, and grabbing onto, onto their pitchforks without even knowing the original statement actually meant. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the email. Appreciate that. This one is uh, from Philip Faust. Uh, he says, I'm so tired of seeing this crap. You would think all newer vehicles would turn on their lights at night. <laughs> Keep up the great pod, guys. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. Nope, for whatever reason. Oh, and here's the photo. Here it is. Oh, he took a photo of a Chrysler Pacifica with no lights on. Yeah, look at that. What this did is wasted a ton of ink yep. on our printer because it's dark out. Yeah, well, you, you see we're running out of yeah. uh, toner. Of it. Yeah, toner because it's uh, <laughs> splotchy. Uh, all right. This uh, last email here from uh, Logan Pilkington uh, says, completely EV related. Uh, modern day improved Bob and Tom. So I guess that's a uh, morning show somewhere. Uh, sitting here in a break. Bob, Bob, I got to interrupt. They are huge. Huge? They are bigger than uh, Kevin Lighting and Lighting and Holman. Were. Yeah. No, like my show, like Kevin yeah. and Bean, we're big on the West Coast. Yeah. Bob and Tom are on like 30, 40 stations so That's a nice compliment. Thank you. We don't deserve that, I assure you. I uh, says, sitting here in a break at work for once and decided to write in. First thing, I'd love to give five stars, but I'm an Android user, so uh, whether that means I'm a simpleton or just can't find a way to provide a formal rating, I'm not sure. The intent is there. I just don't use Apple stuff, so I haven't found a way to rate. I have listened to every episode so far over the last three years. I'm just about completely caught up, continuously trailing about one episode behind, which works out. The show sent me through the finish line of countless 12-hour night shifts. Lots and lots of talks about EV, which I think is super important for gearheads and performance-motivated folks. Coming from a guy with a box 04 Chevy Silverado with a boosted 6-liter and built 4L80, nothing makes me grin more than watching JDM and Hot Rod guys get waxed by a 1-to-1 scale RC car with Betty White doppelgangers behind the wheel. I'm so glad you guys are able to call them uh, how they are. Inefficient, but fast as fuh-boy. That's how it was written. Even the old-timers should be able to appreciate that being a common factor in fun vehicles. If everyone could get on board and understand that if there's any positive environmental impact, it's minimal at best. They're convenient, super freaking cool. That's about it. In this new modern age of bopping to and from your favorite local art gallery, yoga studio, and fresh organic puppies, butterfly, and coffee shop, what better to fit in than my 22-year-old long bed diesel 4x4 and 40s doing exactly what they weren't designed for? Caged, linked, and slaying through the desert in true lower blue-collar fashion (laughs) attached to some pics. Uh, my truck, the Dodge, the Silver Mullet. <laughs> Tell the, me he has truck nuts hanging up the back. And the Wu-Tang <laughs> War Whistle equipped Chevy. Would be cool to get you guys out to our yearly truck meet, get together for the DTX crew. Some pretty cool dudes and rigs, but always a way better bonfire and booze-fueled battering session, usually somewhere in the Mojave or JV, Johnson Valley. Uh, side note, for anyone who doesn't appreciate the show's OG jingles, your rig sucks. Double side note, and thanks. I listen to yet another podcast that I can't get away from, and I'm constantly raising and lowering the volume because their EQ or whatever is garbage. Blow your speakers out, then whisper. Repeat. The appreciation for your sound quality is high. 
Logan. And uh, he says he will work for an XXL shirt and leaves his address. He's from uh, beautiful Napomo, California. I'll hand that to Lightning so he can send you a shirt. Nice. At some I point. will do that. Do the uh, Dodge Extreme uh, truck group on Facebook, DTX. Yeah. They are nuts. They are they're, rabid. They are, but they're awesome. Like I've hung out with them yeah. at a couple of events, but I haven't been to their annual get together out in the desert. They just throw like this crazy huck fest. Well, you're one of those people now, so you can definitely I, no, go join they've them. Invited, so here's the funny part. They've invited me twice, and both times I said, I'm coming, I'm going to buy the shirt. I bought the shirt, they sent it to me, I couldn't make the event. So I'm a total poser. Like, I have the shirts as if I went. No, 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 no I'm dice. saying you're a poser. You're not a poser. You've got the truck. I have the truck, but I haven't been to the well, events. I'm just saying, like, event. I love the group of dudes. Like, I was hanging out with them in Vegas, and anyway, so... Dodge Truck Extreme, if you're uh if you've got an old like uh five nine, six seven, I guess five seven, six six four, how many what is six two? Six two I mean, go yeah. on and on. Yeah, okay, wow, all right. Also a three six. There's a lot of pedestars out and there too. Three oh, right? Eco diesel. So Damn. Yeah. Show Podcast at gmail.com is the email, or you can send it to me, Lightning. Lightning at truckshowpodcast.com or Holman. He's at Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. And you can follow us on the socials and talk to our friend Dave. And uh, that's at Truck Show Podcast or at LBC Lightning or at Sean P. Holman. And uh, you can DM us, and Dave will make sure that they actually get to us and we read them and we respond or something like that. So, Dave, allegedly. Having sat through an entire episode, what do you think? Well, and before you answer, please lie to us. Yeah, so it, this is a really, really cool experience getting to sit in here with you guys. It's funny to see that you're just like everybody else, right? You guys mess up just like the rest of us. And what we get to enjoy every week is a heck of a lot better than the suckage that goes on inside this room. <laughs> that, that is absolutely fair. I don't, think, I don't think I appreciate you pulling back the curtain that far. <laughs> I mean, now you you're... You asked him to... Uh, be honest. Oh, no, you did. You asked him to lie. No, I did. No. I asked him to lie. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth every time. Hey, I do have a request, though. When you are posting pictures of your vehicle on your social media account, tag at Truck Show Podcast. I'm going to see that image, and I'm going to share it on our stories. You've invested a ton of blood, sweat, and tears in your vehicle. Let us show it off. Yeah, I like that. All right, and uh, don't forget to uh, leave comments for management at 657 205 6105. For management? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to uh, be on the show, the uh, the five-star hotline. So, okay. All right. I have been super freaking hard at work. Over, at doing oh, what? Uh, well, I was going to tell you. Here are just a, a small sampling of, uh, of the guests that we have coming up on the Truck Show podcast. All right. These are people that our listeners have asked us for. Uh, how about the... Uh, the Curries from uh, Rock Jock 4x4. Okay. All good, right. good, good. Solid. How about uh, our friend, the uh, Ford Ranger Chief Engineer, Wanda Pena, returning soon? Only yes. Uh, our friend, Desert Explorer, Billy Creech. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Uh, how about uh, Cesar Graciata from RK Sport? Mm, the Hood Guys. How about Milton Wong, the chief engineer? Well, that I say hood guys as if he's from the hood. He's not. They make hoods. How about uh, Milton Wong, Ford's uh, chief engineer of F-150? Yes, please. Uh, working on, but not finalized yet, for uh, Tim Kaniscus over at Ram. No, no, no. I meant... <laughs> I was going to say, that's the Hellcat everything guy. 
Uh, and how about this? Confirmation and in the books, the return of Mike Finnegan. Yeah, buddy. Yes. And I've also reached out to see if Cletus McFarlane would join us. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so I have been hard at work uh, planning uh, what's coming. I'm still trying to get Toyota on the phone uh, to talk about the uh, the new Tacoma. Uh, and then I've got a list of about another 30 people that I sent out trying to get them on the show. Uh, some places that I think, if it comes to fruition, our listeners are going to be like, dude, that was rad. Didn't see it coming, but that was rad. The Toa Sode? Well, they definitely didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, they... All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us in studio. I know this has been a, a massive uh, treat, maybe even the uh, the moment of a lifetime for you. Wait, what? You don't think so? You, don't you think... can't speak for him and say that hanging out with us is I a treat. I said maybe. Well, may... the answer is barely. Okay. Yes. <laughs> barely yes <laughs> well not slightly better than mediocre but in fact uh, way better than better is our friends over at Nissan so if you're in the market for a new truck you want to pick up a Nissan Frontier midsize or Nissan Titan or Titan XD the Titan Titan XD come with the industry's best 5 year 100,000 mile warranty and you're going to get a truck that has a great interior quiet riding durable reliable spray and bed liner utilitrack fender audio zero gravity seats on and on. You can find one at your local Nissan dealer, or you can check them out at NissanUSA.com. And when that truck is no longer zippy, the pizzazz is gone, the hot air has leaked out of the balloon, and you're just sitting in a turd of a truck that just doesn't move under its own power, you need to get that zip back with a Banks Pedal Monster. It's a patented throttle controller that gets back the acceleration that you lost with bigger tires. Head over to BanksPower.com, type in your year making model, and get a Pedal Monster and find out why it is the ultimate, least expensive upgrade that makes the biggest impact for your truck. Yours is waiting for you at BanksPower.com. All right, Dave, take us out. Goodbye, everybody. We out. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Man, that kind of sucked, guys. Was it worse than you thought it would be? It, yeah, yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> I feel like I wasted, uh, wasted like six hours of my life. Oh crap! The mics are still on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>